Well, good morning, good morning. How's everybody doing today? Everybody feeling good? Uh, some of y'all are tired, boy. Well, hey, a couple of announcements before we get started. The first thing I have to ask is this. If you are on the men's retreat and you're in the room, can you make some noise for me? That's what I'm talking about. So go ahead and take a look at the screen. Man, we had a blast. We had about 45 guys go up to Black Mountain, North Carolina. We had a fantastic two days. We grew deeper in our relationship with Jesus. Uh, we grew deeper in our relationship with each other. I mean, you can, you can see all the stuff that we did. We had some s'mores. We played disc golf. We played some board games. Again, we had some intentional times of worship. But I promise you, regardless of the energy that we bring in the room, we're all bringing energy this morning. But I promise you, we all really feel like this. <laughs> so that was, Toby was in here in first service. So, oh, he's still here. There he is. He's in the back. He's in the back. He's waving. So Toby, you're alive. It is well with your soul, you know? So no, we had an absolute blast. And I'll talk about the men's retreat a little more throughout the service. Uh, but the second thing I need to remind us of is September the 3rd. September 3rd, we are celebrating our sixth anniversary as a church. That's something to make some noise about. So we'll celebrate that. But just a reminder, we're only having one service at 10 a.m. One service at 10 a.m. We want to celebrate together, celebrate that birthday together. We also have baptisms going on that day. So if you're interested in getting baptized, going public with your, with your faith, we believe that the most important decision you could ever make in your life is to step, step into a relationship with Jesus. And then after that, we believe that going public with your faith is being baptized. Scripture shows us that. So we'll have baptisms that day. We're excited. If you're interested in getting baptized, scan that QR code, and we'll get all of your information there. Well, let me tell you kind of what we're going through the, the, through our summer series. We've been in the book of Romans. We've been diving into it. And, and I've been giving kind of this background or backdrop of the weeks that we have gone through to catch us up to where we are, just in case you've missed a couple of weeks. So what I'm going to do is kind of give us uh, some background. So Romans chapter 1 through chapter 8, Paul thoroughly convinces us about man's need for God's grace and mercy. Paul tells us that we're all sinners. We've all fallen short. And, and there's this resounding gong in humanity that we're all broken and we're all sinful. And in Romans chapter 9, 10, and 11, Paul kind of lays out this roadmap of how God made it possible for us to step back into a relationship with Jesus. I'm going to be reading a lot of scripture today. We're actually going to read chapter 12 in its entirety, but I want to go back and, and I want to remind us what Paul has told us in chapter 7 and in chapter 8. And in Romans chapter 7, verse 14, he says this. He says, we know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual. I'm sold as a slave to sin. I don't understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. I don't know if you've ever felt like that following Jesus it's like, what, what I want to do, I, I, I don't always do it. I know what I'm supposed to do. I know how I'm supposed to follow Jesus, but I don't always do it. And yet, what I know I'm supposed to do, again, I don't do, but, but what I don't want to do, I do it. This is Paul. He wrote so many books of the New Testament. This is someone, yes, he persecuted Christians, but then he gave his life over to the Lord. He had an encounter with Jesus on this road. He gave his life to Jesus, and he says, listen, I've, I've encountered the man. Yet what I don't want to do, I still do, and what I know I'm supposed to do, I don't always do. And he goes on, and he, and he says this. He says, as it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, 
but as sin living in me. We've already determined throughout this series that we're all born with sin. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me. That is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do, I don't want to do. This I keep on doing. Now if I do what I don't want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me. If we're not careful, we'll begin to entrap ourselves with that thought process because those statements are valid and true, but we have to continue to read. Because if we just stop with the entrapment of sin, we never get to the glory of God. And if we keep going in Romans chapter 8, Paul goes on to write, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives you life has set you free from the law of sin and death. And Paul, Paul that's something to clap about. I mean, y'all can get excited about that. I, I get excited about it. But, but what Paul is reminding us is he's laying out this, this scenario that, yes, we're sinful, but God made, us a, made a way for us to step back into a relationship with him. And I've read the, the final two verses of chapter 8 for several weeks, but I want to read them again because it just hits a little different. Paul says this. He says, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Paul's saying there, there's nothing that can separate you. And then he continues to write in chapters 9, 10, and 11 on how God made this possible. Again, our goal as communicators and as pastors on Sunday morning isn't to give you the, the, the chapter in its entirety. I can't physically take enough time to go through all that is in one chapter in one single week. But what we want to do is set you on a direction of discovery where you'll hear this stuff. Something will kind of spur a thought in your mind and you'll go back and study it later. In chapter 9, Paul starts the chapter by addressing the religious skeptic. And in chapter 10, we talked about this idea of, of being missionaries, that it's not just domestic or global, it's both and. And Paul says himself, how can someone call on Jesus if, if they don't believe in Jesus? And how can they believe in Jesus if they haven't heard about Jesus? And how can they hear about Jesus if they haven't been told about Jesus? And, and how can they be told about Jesus if someone hasn't been sent to tell them about Jesus? So th there, there's this idea that we're called, Matthew chapter 28, that we're called to baptize in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, that we're called to tell people about who Jesus is. That, that's our goal. That's our call. That's our mandate. Matthew chapter 28 wasn't a suggestion. It was an absolute mandate. And it's not just for a pastoral staff or, or people who have been following Jesus for more than 20 years. It's not like you graduate after year 20. By the way, now you can go talk to people about Jesus. Remember, Saul, Paul, had this encounter and he immediately went to start telling people about Jesus. He was crucifying Christians. He was killing Christians. He encounters Jesus and he flips the script and he starts telling people about this love and this grace and this mercy that he encountered. Now, remember, let me kind of give you some definitions, redefine some stuff for you. Mercy, God's mercy, is him not giving us what we deserve. In our sinful nature, nature we deserve hell, death, and the grave. And then grace, grace is very simple. Grace is God giving us something that we don't deserve. 
That's the love and the forgiveness of his son Jesus hanging on the cross. And then we got to chapter 11 last week, and, and we said it was like a roadmap where we dove into different books of the Bible. We dove into Genesis and, and Deuteronomy and Ruth and, and Joshua, and we saw how all of those kind of correlated with Romans chapter 11. But although we went through all of the scripture, the story was still the same. The story still always pointed to Jesus and the salvation that he brought to humanity. I don't care if you read from Genesis to Revelation, the entire story of the Bible is the same, is that Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. So Paul, in Romans 1 through 11, focuses intently on this doctrine of salvation. Again, 1 through 8, we're sinners. 9, 10, and 11, how did God make a way for us to overcome that sin? And, and now we find ourselves in Romans chapter 12. And there's two questions that we have when we get to Romans chapter 12 as Christ followers or as someone reading this letter or reading this book. And it would be this, knowing those ideas, how then should those saved by grace live today? So we know that we're sinners. We know that God made a way. So how then should we live? And then the other question is very simple. How should we respond to the mercy that God has shown us? Romans chapter 12 begins to answer the question. It's the how behind the what, the who, and the why. How do, how do we actively do this? Little known fact, this is, this is, Chris, this is going to be one of our trivia questions next year for our men's retreat. But little known fact, the first sermon that I ever preached at 17 years old at Bethel Assembly of God in Bowling Springs, South Carolina, was Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. And I, I had been following Jesus for about four months at 17 years old. And they were like, hey, we want you to preach on Sunday morning. I'm like, you ain't got nobody better. <laughs> Pastor going on vacation? Like, what's going on? But, but these verses have, have impacted my life for, for a long time. I was joking around with Manny this past week, and I realized that I could literally just read Romans chapter 12, and that be the entirety of our sermon. Because there's no, there's no ambiguity. There's, no, there's nothing up for debate if we're not careful as Christ followers, we'll get to a book or we'll get to a chapter like Romans chapter 12 and we'll read it and, and we'll start to read things like love must be sincere. Okay, I'm, I'm good with that. Practice hospitality. Nope. Nobody's coming to my house today for dinner. Right? Do y'all, have, y'all ever, have y'all ever invited somebody over to your house for dinner like a couple weeks prior and then the day comes that they're supposed to come to dinner and you're like, oh God, not today. And then they get there and you're like, I gotta, I gotta fake it till I make it. But then you end up getting them there, you have dinner with them, and you end up having a, actually having a good time. But, but you're like, I don't, I don't, there's sometimes that I don't, Paul, I don't want to be hospitable. Love must be sincere. Can I, can I fake the relative? Can I fake love to the relative that I don't really like that much? Okay, only a couple of you are going to be honest with yourself, right? But Paul lays this out, and, and there's not room for debate. I, I found myself in... In recent months or years, especially, you know, go, being a pastor or, or, you know, having conversations with people that the individuals, they'll always ask me questions about life. Not that I'm like the wisest person in the room, but they'll say, hey, what do you think about this business idea? Hey, hey what do you think about, uh, uh, about me dating this person? What do you think about this in my marriage? What, what do you think about how I should approach this opportunity? And, and what I found myself doing, I got really convicted from the Lord. What I found myself doing is... I would give individuals really good books. I would give individuals really good podcasts. I, I would give individuals really good country songs if they were going through a breakup. I'm like, 
I don't know, brother. Just listen to country music. You'll, fi- you'll figure it out, right? Country music can get you through a lot, by the way. Some of you are like, I don't even listen to that junk. You haven't met Jesus yet then. But, but I found myself giving people that type of advice. Or, or I would say, hey, you remember that movie clip? And I do that a lot. I love movies. I love music. And I would reference the. And what I found myself doing was not referencing the Bible. So, so I would give them all of this good advice, but I wouldn't give them something that could absolutely transform their life. And, and Paul lays it out in, in chapter 12. There's a lot of things that we can approach in life going through Romans chapter 12. I don't have to give you a movie. I don't have to give you a book. I don't have to give you a quote. I don't have to give, I can give you scripture and scripture itself. Because the way to change the world isn't through popular opinion. It's not through a gut feeling. The way to change the world isn't through a TED talk or a podcast. All of those things are good, but they're supplemental. The cornerstone has to always be scripture. One of the things that I've loved the most about going through the book of Romans is each week our team, so Pastor Manny, Pastor Judah, Pastor Jonah, they go and they record the chapter that we're studying the following Sunday. And what I found, we put it on YouTube, and what I found myself doing is just pulling up those YouTube clips and just listening to them, just listening to Scripture. There's something that happens inside your soul when you listen to Scripture. And I, I know I talked to, to Judah, I was talking to Judah, but I was talking to every, everybody. Then sings my soul. My actions don't always align. My thoughts don't always align. Paul goes back again. Remember chapter 7. Paul says, the things that I don't want to do, I do. And and the things that I want to do, like I I don't do. And and my actions and my thoughts might not always align. but, But my soul, my soul wants to follow the Lord. My soul wants to be aligned with who the Father is. Something just about hearing and listening to scripture. So if you'll allow me just for a couple of minutes, I want to read chapter 12 in its entirety. If you want to sit there and just look at me like you've got glossy eyes, that's fine. If you want to close your eyes, that's fine. Just don't fall asleep, all right? But just listen to the words of Paul. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Verse 2, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment. There's been seasons of my life where I thought that I was on a pedestal. There's been seasons of my life where I thought that I had arrived. And Paul's very clear. He says, think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body. We have a collected group of people in the room. We had a collected group of people on the men's retreat. But, but here's the reality. We all need each other. And, and, and I, I've read the scripture before. And if I'm not careful, I'm like, well, I'm, I'm the pastor, so I must be the head. Negative, Ghost Rider. Jesus is always the head. 
if we ever think that we're the head with any group that we're leading, that we're in charge, we've already missed the mark. I don't care if you work on a sales team. I don't care if you're raising money for a company. I don't care if you own your own business. You are never the head of what you're doing. Jesus is always the head. I don't care if it's inside the church or outside the church. We're all just many members of one body. And for just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, we, though many, form one body. And each member belongs to the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. H- hear these words, because some of you, some of you aren't acting in your gifting. But Paul, Paul writes this. He says, if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance to your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. I think there's people that sit in, in our seats. We used to say sit in our pews at church. We don't have pews. So sit, but sit in our seats at, at church, myself included, and you have the gift of encouragement. And you, and you know who you are because you have those gut checks. You have that, those thoughts. Man, I should, I should just go tell, man, I should go tell that guy that, that I like his shirt today. Now, that's weird if a dude tells another dude that he likes his shirt or, or, or I should go tell him that I enjoyed hanging out with him at the men's No, 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 I'm manly. I can't go. If your gift is to encourage, then encourage. Some of the hardest seasons of my life I've been able to get through because someone's walked alongside of me, put their arm around me and say, hey, Zach, you're going to make it through this. If your gift is to encourage, then encourage. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, then do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, then do it cheerfully. And then he gives this list. Paul gives this list. Not up for debate. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil and cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another. You know who's truly devoted to you when you go through hard seasons of life. If someone's one foot in and one foot out, we said this a couple weeks ago, you, you, if you give yourself an out, you will always take the path of least resistance. You're either devoted or you're not. You have to be devoted, honor one another above yourselves, never lacking in zeal. Keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction. No, God, I do not want to be patient in affliction. Rip the band-aid off, let me move forward. I don't want to be patient. By the way, I did something really stupid. I prayed for patience. <laughs> Anybody ever pray for patience? And then you're put in a season that you have to be patient? Not fun. Not, Chris, it's not fun. I'm never praying for patience again. It's, it's like, God, does it count if I pray for it once and just move past it? <laughs> pray, pray for patience. Patient affliction. Faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Verse 14 is hard. Bless those who persecute you. No, I want to get even with those who persecute me. No, no, no. I, I, want to make sure, I want to make sure they know that I'm right. No, bless, bless those who persecute you. And then he kind of reiterates, like, like as if they didn't get it the first time. It's bless those who persecute you. And then he says, bless and do not curse. Like, he, like Paul knows how we are. He's going through this with us. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. One of the biggest things that the devil can do to divide people, to divide Christ followers, is to just put a wedge between them where they're not living in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, 
man, I've, I've, had some, I've had some prideful moments in my life. But be willing to associate with people of low position. My dad used to say it this way, every man puts his pants on the same way, one leg at a time. Don't be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live in peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge and I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, then feed him. If he's thirsty, then give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Again, we can just read Romans chapter 12 today, and, and it's very clear to see that this, this text in and of itself, it's plain. There's no ambiguity. There's no room for theological debate. There's no room for these if-then statements. It's very clear. There's no room for excuses. Show mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be genuine. Give to the saints. Bless those who persecute you. Weep with those who weep. Associate with the lowly. Repay no one evil for evil. Never avenge yourself. If your enemy is hungry, then feed him. When was the last time you took a cheeseburger to the people that are talking bad about you? I haven't done it. <laughs> if your enemy is hungry, then feed him. Now, remember those two questions that I, that I tossed out. Knowing those ideas, how then should those saved by grace live today? How should we, in following Jesus, those who have received the grace of God, live in accordance to Romans chapter 12? How should we respond to the mercy that God has shown us? What we notice even in Paul's writing in chapter 12 is that Paul models for us mercy even in the words that he's using. Because he says this, he starts with these gentle words. He, some translations say, I urge you. Other translations say, I appeal to you. And, and this may seem simple, but the words were chosen intentionally. Paul could have used words like, I command you. I command you to live like this, but, but Paul says, I urge you or I appeal to you. There's another letter that, that Paul wrote. Some of y'all will say it's in the book of Philemon. Others will say Philemon. Stacy, you sounded Jamaican when you said it this morning. Philemon, like I don't know what. <laughs> but, if we look at, but if we look in this, this book and then we, we look at verses 8 and 9, Paul writes this. He says, therefore, although in Christ... I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. Even in those statements, this is an expression of love and mercy. And the second thing that Paul does in Romans chapter 12 is he, he, he calls Christ followers brothers and sisters. So in Romans 1 through 8, he says, we're all sinners. 9, 10, and 11, he says, this is how God made a way for humanity to step back into a relationship with him. And then in, in chapter 12, what Paul says, he says, hey, I'm appealing to you. I'm not demanding you. I'm urging you. I'm appealing to you that you would step into this relationship, that your life would be transformed, that we would step into a family and all be brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. We've said this for many weeks, that we aren't here to work our way into heaven. We aren't here to, to force someone to follow Jesus. We're not here to scare someone into the idea of following Jesus. And, and again, Paul's reference is this. He says, I could be bold and order you, yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. I'll put it to you in, in maybe a different way. Maybe some of you will understand it this way, because this is how it made me understand it. Uh, and it's my daughter 
eating dinner. Because there was a season of her life that she didn't want to have anything to do with meat. And in my household, the way I grew up, if there wasn't meat on the plate, it's not a real meal. That's just the way some of y'all said, amen. Y'all shout me down for that one. Amen, brother. <laughs> I need meat. We try sliced turkey. I, I don't want, Daddy, I don't want, I don't want my turkey. Ground chicken. Daddy, I don't want my chicken. Let's do some beef. Daddy, I don't want beef. Let, all right, let's, let's switch it up. We'll be weird. We'll do fish. You want some salmon? Daddy, I don't want, you want some fish sticks? Like, you, need, you need protein. And what I could do is I could demand her to eat what's on her plate. And I could tell her, you're not getting up from your seat until your plate is clean. Anybody else hear that in their life? I never did that to my daughter. Those conversations never ended in tears. <laughs> Daddy, I just don't want it. I could demand her. Or I could appeal to her. Now, remember, I have to realize that she's six years old. If you're dealing with this with your 16-year-old, I don't have a 16-year-old yet, so you figure it out, right? <laughs> so I had to appeal to her. Hey, Piper, Piper, don't you, don't you want to be big and strong like mommy? You do. Let me see those muscles. You like your muscles, right? You like being fast on the playground, right? Baby, you need to eat some protein. Okay, Daddy, I'll eat it. I could demand or I could urge and appeal. That's all Paul's doing. He's saying, listen, I know I've established that we're all sinners. I know that I've showed you the way. I can't, I can't demand you, but I can appeal to you. Now, in the first version of the conversation that I had with my daughter, you would think that I'm trying to negotiate with a food terrorist. <laughs> in, in the second conversation, it's like I'm her dad appealing to his daughter saying, hey, this is, this is just good for you. Romans chapter 12 is this resounding theme of, of mercy in verse 7 through 21 is, is Paul's way of the, the how-to, how to follow Jesus. Yet before we get to the how-to or the directives, the things that I listed out, Paul lays some groundwork that we can't just simply gloss over. And Paul says our lives are living sacrifices to God. Don't follow the world. Okay, Paul, but How? He shows us in verse 2, don't conform any longer to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There's one word that I want to focus on first, and, and it's the word pattern. Because as long as I could remember, so the first, not only was this the first verse that I ever, first couple verses that I ever preached on, this was the first two verses that I had ever memorized. Some of y'all were like, John 3, 16, that was probably a really good one. I probably should have learned that one first. But I learned this one because I was four months in. <laughs> this is the one I was preaching on. But I would always read it as patterns, as if it were plural. But if you look in the original language, if you look in the original Greek, it's not a pluralistic word. It's a singular word. It's pattern. What I feel like the Lord showed me was very simple. You're either facing towards Jesus or you're facing away from Jesus. Now, I know that sounds simplistic, but sometimes in our, in our lives when we follow Jesus, we can say, well, I only missed it by one degree. I'm still facing in the same direction. And the Bible is very clear. We're either facing directly towards Jesus or facing directly away from Jesus. We're either following the pattern. Or the, yeah, there might be multiple things that we can follow to point us away from Jesus, but it's still away from Jesus. It's either towards him or away from him. It's the pattern of the world or the pattern that God has laid out for us through Scripture. It's important for us to catch on to that. And, and I said this at the, uh, the men's retreat. 
I have to remind us that, church, Jesus, Jesus isn't our last hope. Jesus is our only hope. Now, maybe you've been like me and I've been in situations and I've tried to figure it out on my own. I've tried to make things happen on my own. And then I finally get to the end of the rope and I finally pray about it. God, if you're there, God, if you would, God, if you will, as if it were my last resort, when it's always my only resort. Jesus is not my last hope. He's my only hope. It doesn't matter what I'm walking through in life. It doesn't matter what we walk through in life. Jesus is our only hope. It's either towards Jesus or away from Jesus. Now, once we understand all that, our outlook on our life can drastically change, but it all starts by winning the battle between our ears. Chris, we've talked about that a lot lately. What's your thought process? What's going on between your head? What's going on between your ears? Verse 2 shows us that transformation, true transformation, starts internally. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And Paul lays the steps out for us. That's why we read the entire chapter. But some of our biggest battles that we'll ever face in our life is between our own two ears. I've told you, I told you a couple weeks ago, like I find myself thinking some crazy thoughts. So I, and some of, those, some of them are simple. It's like, okay, if I get in a car wreck on 77, and I'm going across the bridge, and I end up in the water. Am I going to try to bust this window out? Am I going to, how do I cut my seatbelt? And it's like these odd thoughts like that I talk, like I think myself through, right? But then I also have weird thoughts like this. And you can judge me if you want to, but I have weird thoughts like this. Okay, I'm traveling. I'm several states away from home, and the zombie apocalypse breaks out. How am I going to get home fast? Right? Like, those, I told you that a couple weeks ago. Those are just some of the thoughts that go through my head. I, I don't know if you're like me. But does anybody else ever think themselves to sleep? Because I do. It's like, and then I get to the point where I think I'm still thinking, but I don't know if I'm dreaming. And it's like, am I, am I thinking this? Am I dreaming this? And I fall asleep thinking one thing. And I know my brain's messed up when I wake up thinking about that same thing. It's like my brain never turned off. It's like my brain never stopped. It's like my brain never rested or recharged. And then I wake up and I'm exhausted. I was doing a, some, some research, and I just typed in kind of th this, this very reliable source called Google. And I, I, but I typed in, hey, what happens when you sleep? And I started pulling some peer-reviewed articles. And this is what one article says. It says, neurologically, how does our brain function? Many biological processes happen during sleep. The brain restores new information and gets rid of toxic waste. Nerve cells communicate and reorganize, which supports healthy brain function. And the body repairs cells, restores energy, and releases molecules like hormones and proteins. And some of y'all are sitting there thinking, if my brain does all of that when I'm sleeping, no wonder I wake up tired. The article went on to say this. The researchers found that sleep provides a time when the brain's synapses, the connections between your neurons, shrink back by nearly 20%. And during this time, the synapses rest and prepare for the next day. And they'll grow stronger while receiving new input when we're learning new things. The researchers say without this rest, known as synaptic homeostasis, synapses could become overloaded and burned out like an electrical outlet with too many appliances plugged into it. And some of y'all are like, you just explained my brain. 
I've got too many things plugged into my brain. I've got too many thoughts going through my, my mind. And even when I'm trying to fall asleep, it's like I can't rest because I'm just, I'm just thinking myself to sleep. And then I'm thinking myself awake. And your brain never, it never truly has time to rest. And with, with everything that's going through my brain, I feel like that power outlet that has too many things plugged into it. And what happens when you get too many things plugged into the same outlet? It flips the breaker. It turns off. It shuts down. Some of y'all are like, yep, that's me. That article kind of led me down this, this path of what it looks like to form habits. And research will say that typically it takes 21 to 28 days to form a habit. Now, some of us have bad habits. And we want to unform <laughs> The how to reform the habits that we have. So shouldn't the same be true? To unlearn something, to learn, unlearn a habit, shouldn't it take 21 to 28 days to, to form a, a new habit? More and more research is coming out, and scientists have found this. It can take up to 254 days to form a new habit based off of an old habit, to undo something that you've always done. 254 days. Maybe you're trying to form this habit of prayer in your life. And you're like, man, I've been doing it. I've been doing it for a month. And it's like it's still a struggle. That's okay. Some of you are trying to do some, some habits that you've always done. It can take a long time. But I'm reminded of Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22 and 30, 23. And it reads like this. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercy never comes to an end. They are new every day morning and great is your faithfulness they're new every morning why, why, can, why can we say that why does scripture say that God didn't mess up when he knit you together God didn't mess up when he formed your mind there's a reason that when we go to sleep that, that the toxic things are pushed out and the things that we need to learn are, are kept in and we get so frustrated with ourselves and with our own thought process. God, like I'm, I'm trying, Paul, what I don't want to do, I do. What I do want to do, I don't do. And then he says this, it, it takes this transformation of your mind to follow Jesus. And science backs it up. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22 and 23 says his mercies are new every morning. That, that Pain may last for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Some of us have been like, yeah, you say that, but I've been living in this perpetual state of night. Can I remind us that his mercies are new every single morning? That our brains can be rewired every single morning. Takes the transformation of our mind. Yes, forming new habits might take some time if we're unforming some stuff, but God always gives us grace for today. Nothing is written in the Bible by mistake. Every new habit starts with the first step. The renewing of our mind starts with taking the first step. Following Jesus starts by taking the first step. Praying every day starts by taking the first step. Doing a, or walking through a devotional life starts by taking the first step. One of the best times that I had on the men's retreat, this, 
this, uh, this past weekend was watching Darius jump into a pool. Darius doesn't like water. Darius told me before we went to the pool, he's like, I don't know how to swim. I'm like, all right, we're getting in. Darius said, I'll get in as long as I can touch. I said, great. I was just trying to get him to the pool because I knew how deep the pool was. He didn't. The pool was 16 feet deep. So, so we're, all, we're all being crazy. We're all jumping off the diving board. I think we try to do like this diving competition. And <laughs> the best person to watch during the diving competition was Evan. Like, you know, I, we should put some of those pictures up. That's what we should put up. But Darius, he's like, I don't, I don't know how to swim. I said, it's fine, I got a life jacket. So I grabbed a life jacket. He put that thing on. And this diving board was weird, man. Like, it, it was springy, springy. Like, bouncy. Like, we tried to run and jump. And if you weren't careful, it would shoot you out instead of shoot you up. <laughs> it was like a lot of back busters and belly busters when we first got on the diving board. Darius gets on the diving board. He says, he looks at it. I don't know what to do. Walk to the end and jump. He's like, he's hanging on knees. What do I do? Keep walking. All right. And he finally gets to, the, he gets to the end of the diving board. What do I do? Just jump. Darius jumps off into the deep end. That life jacket brings him back up. Charles was in here during first service and about three weeks ago, Charles was one of the members that went to Nicaragua with us. And he shared this on stage a couple of weeks ago, but in Nicaragua, like his life was just changed a little bit. He found himself in front of a a group of guys that we had played soccer with and he starts sharing his story and telling them about Jesus. And then this past weekend, I watched Charles on two unique occasions pray for someone out loud by himself. Something that he wouldn't have done a month ago. Darius jumping off of the diving board, took taking a first step. Charles going deeper in his relationship with Jesus, took taking the first step. The transformation of our mind always takes the first step. Don't beat yourself up if you're not where you want to be. Keep stepping. Keep going. Keep moving forward. We had this, uh, this, this kind of theme after our first after our first session at the men's retreat it was three words it's three not this three three words the three words were very simple burn the ships burn the ships and i told told him about told the guys about this story i'll share with you this morning but in 1519 hernan cortez arrived in what we now know as the new world with 600 men And as soon as the men stepped onto the ground, as soon as they unloaded the ships, he turned, faced the ships and said, burn the ships. We're not going back. We're not going back to where we came from. We're not going back to our old way of life. We came here for a purpose, burn the ships. And that was our anthem for the weekend, just burn the ships. Regardless of what's gone on in your life, regardless of what you're facing, Burn the ships, face towards Jesus. There's only facing towards Jesus or away from Jesus. And I would much rather face life facing towards Jesus than away from Jesus. So yes, that was our anthem for our men's retreat. But what if, what if we all made that decision collectively this morning? So all across this room, as we begin to stand and go back into worship, what if we said something like that? I'm I'm going to transform my mind. I'm going to turn towards Jesus and I'm burning the ships. I'm not going back the other direction. Let's all step into worship.